Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It's great to have you here with us today as uh, we continue down the journey of other people's journeys, listening to people that are just doing something cool, doing something interesting, maybe people that you know, maybe people that you've heard of, and you're just going, how did they get into that? How did they get started? Maybe you're wanting to do something similar, or maybe you're just curious and looking for the parallels in your own story. And so today, we got a great story for you today. we got a great guest. We have uh, Stu McLaren, who's joining us today. Stu has done a, a variety of different things, but one of my favorite part of Stu's story and journey is how he made a decision recently to sell his, his successful software company, kind of the, the rationale behind that, the mentality and kind of the framework that he walked through. And I think this is really important for so many of you to hear, especially if you're in a spot where you're like Stu, where you're enjoying what you're doing, it's going well, but it's it could be better. It could be different. You could be proved in some way. And so what do you need to do to change from where you are to where it is that you want to be where it is that you want to get to. So Stu made a drastic, powerful decision that really had a uh, profound impact in his life. So I don't want to tease it anymore. Let's just get right into it. Here's my chit chat with uh, Stu McLaren. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by Stu McLaren, who has uh, had a quite the entrepreneurial journey, had his hand in a bunch of different things. So excited to get into his story and journey today. We've got a lot to cover. So Stu, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Grant. Glad to be here. You've done software, you've done speaking, you've done consulting, you've done a variety of different things. How would you describe what it is that you do today? Or have you kind of landed at this point in your career? Well, it used to be easy because my parents had a hard time describing what I did. And so as soon as I got into software and I said that I owned a software company, that was an easy one-liner that they could deliver and that I could deliver and everybody felt good about it. But then I sold my software company in the fall. And so now that question is just kind of up in the air again. Now I'm still involved in software. You know, I'm looking to, we're in the midst of starting a whole new software company, so I could still use that. But a lot of what I do in my day-to-day right now is really helping people who have a following leverage themselves and build a business around that following. So those would be typically like people like New York Times bestselling authors like Michael Hyatt and so forth. They would be speakers. In fact, we've had even TV celebrities and personalities that we've been consulting and working with. But the bottom line is people who have a following, but they just haven't built a business around that following. And that's what I help people do. Awesome. Very cool. And I'm excited to get into the the story and journey. You're up in uh, Canada right now, correct? Yes. So if my shouts and abouts sound a little different (laughs) than normal, it's because I'm about 45 minutes south of Toronto. We'll throw in a few A's along the way and uh, we'll uh, keep it moving. Did you grow up up there? Yeah, I grew up in a tiny little town out in the middle of nowhere, a little further south than where I am right now. And I loved it. You know, it was very quiet, very simple life. And I like quiet and simple and stress-free. And so it was uh, the perfect place to be raised. And I love that environment. I would still be there now if it weren't for schooling, you know, for my daughter and my son. So we moved for that reason. But yeah, I grew up in a tiny little town about an hour and a half south of Toronto. What would your parents do? My parents, they both had two full-time jobs. So we immigrated from England when I was six years old. 
And my parents, they just did what they knew how to do. And that was just work their butts off. And so they both had two full-time jobs. You know, my dad was, he worked in a high school with kids with special needs from nine in the morning till three in the afternoon. And then four nights a week, he worked in a, like a group home with people with special needs from eight at night till eight in the morning. So my dad was working all the time, and yet he was still at every soccer game, basketball game, badminton tournament, you name it. He was always there. I don't know when he slept. Hang on. Did you say badminton tournament? Yeah, I was in badminton. Yep. So yeah, he was always there. And same with my mom. You know, my mom, she works in elementary school with kids with autism. And so that was her day job. And then four nights a week, she worked in a fine dining restaurant. And so my parents, they just worked and they worked really, really hard. And I learned a lot about work ethic from both of them. What kind of work ethic stuff did you pick up from them? Because it sounds like they were working a lot and yet at the same time were able to balance that in terms of being just a parent. But did you come out of that saying, okay, I want to work two jobs as well, or do I want to work smarter or what, like, what did you gain from seeing them work as much as they did? There were a few insights. You know, one was that you can really create anything that you want. For them, immigrating from England, when we landed here in Canada, we really didn't have a whole lot at all. And so I learned about growing and progressing and working toward a goal. That was a big thing. I learned a lot about belief. They instilled an inner confidence in me that I'm forever grateful for. You know, I I believe that I can do anything that I really want to. And that comes from seeing them do the same thing. You know, even when, you know, we talk about my parents both having two full-time jobs. But when we came to Canada, they didn't have those jobs initially. My dad was a factory worker and he went back to school full-time, back to college full-time while maintaining a full-time factory job so that he could reinvent himself in his mid-40s and start a whole new career. So And my mom did the same thing several years later. Once my dad finished, my mom did the same thing. So I learned a lot from them in that regard. In terms of like differences, at 12 years old, distinctly remember making a point in my mind saying to myself, I don't want to work as hard as my parents. And I like hard work, but I don't like working hard just for the sake of working hard. So I asked myself a a very simple question. I said, you know, there's got to be other people in this world who are making more and working less. So what are they doing differently than my parents? And that set me on a whole different path in terms of thought processes about career and all that kind of stuff. I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this that have that same type of mentality of going, I'm not opposed to hard work. And I think a lot of people that listen to this are hard workers, but I don't want to just put 60 or 80 hours in just for the heck of it, or just because that's what, you know, the society would tell us. So it's one thing to kind of be set in motion on that path of going like, I want to work smarter, not harder. But how did that begin to translate for you? Like, what were you looking towards as other examples of maybe how it could be done different or better? Well, when I was young, I was very naive and I just was thinking about money. Right. So I was thinking, what are the careers that where people make a lot of money? Because my thought process then was, well, I guess the more money I make, the less I have to work, you know? And so I was looking for high leverage careers and that certainly started taking me in the direction of business in general. Now it's a lot more, I would say, refined. I've matured, you know, and realizing that life is not just about money and, and uh, money is certainly an incredible tool and it's something that I have no shame in saying to people and sharing that, you know, I want to make as much money as I possibly can. Because one of the things that I realized 
you know, my wife and I run our own charity where we build schools over in Kenya. And money is an incredible tool to have impact. And so money is is very, very important. But what I was doing was back then I was just focused on, okay, what are the careers that are going to make the most amount of money? Now I'm more focused on, okay, what are the activities that I can leverage in the biggest possible way to be able to make the most while working the least? And it's a slight difference in terms of the thought process, but what that does is that frees me up to be able to enjoy the other things in life, like my family, which is so important to me, and being able to spend time with them, and and then also just enjoying life, giving back and loving life. And I don't think that when I look back at my parents, they worked really hard, but I don't think they, I know they didn't take enough time for themselves. And life is too short. I want to maximize every minute that I'm here. And so I don't want to wait until I retire to enjoy life. I want to figure out how I can do both right now. As you're wrapping up school and you're heading into just your initial career and starting out the gate, what what were you planning on doing? What did you want to do? What were you hoping you could do that could translate into working a bit smarter and not necessarily harder? Well, initially I thought it meant going into the business world, you know, and so I went to business school. There's a whole bunch of stories in, in and of that. But when I graduated, I signed on the dotted line with a big company here in Canada. And it was the dream situation. I was making more money than both my parents combined coming out of college. I had a company car, I had benefits, all that kind of stuff. And yet something inside me told me that was not the path that I should be going down. And and even though I signed on the dotted line in April, I was scheduled to start in September. I gave myself four months between when I graduated to when I would start work. And then I went to a conference in June. And how I got to that conference was another story in and of itself. Basically, it was a conference on creativity. And creativity had meant a lot to me because I had failed out of my first year of university. I talked my way back in. Third year, though, everything changed for me because we watched this one video of this guy named Doug Hall mm-hmm. who has a business called Eureka Ranch. And what he does there is he helps Fortune 500 companies come up with new product ideas. And in the video, he's wearing like this Hawaiian shirt and shorts and no shoes or socks. And he's shooting Nerf guns at corporate CEOs. And I was thinking, man, that is, that's just amazing. And so I was drawn to that because it wasn't the suit and tie career that I was headed toward and that everybody was kind of channeling us toward. And I just didn't, I felt like a square peg in a round hole with that. And so I was drawn to Doug and I learned everything I could. And he had a book called Jumpstart Your Brain. And it's a book about how to think more creatively. And I applied what I learned from that book to my schooling and my marks shot through the roof. I went from failing out of my first year to graduating top of my class by the time I uh, graduated. So I was, loved the concept of creative thinking. I loved using my creativity in every aspect of my life. And So when I graduated, I went to this creativity conference and it was a $1,500 conference. I I didn't have two pennies to, you know, to my name, but I found a creative way to get there, not only for myself, but for a friend of mine. So we go to this conference and there was one speaker I was drawn to and I went to like all of his sessions. And by the fourth session, he just, he knew me by name then and said, listen, Stu, I appreciate the fact that you really love my material, but I'm going to cover a lot of the same things in this session that I have in my other sessions. I'd encourage you to go to another workshop. And I was like, okay, fair enough. And so I went to look at the other workshops and they were all booked except for this one on journaling. 
And in fact, my buddy had gone to that one. And I remember thinking, I don't want to go to a journaling workshop. Like (laughs) here I am in my young 20s, again, naive and the testosterone flowing through me. And I said, I said to myself, journaling's for girls. Like why would I go to a workshop on journaling? But it was the only one I could get into. Might as well call it diary. Yeah, exactly. I just wasn't, it just didn't appeal to me, but it was the only one I could get into. My buddy was there. So I'm like, fine. So I go to this workshop and as part of the workshop, they have this exercise where they ask you to just like write everything that's going on in your head. And so at the time, another friend of mine who I went to college with, he's one of my college roommates, he was thinking about starting a web design business and he had done phenomenally well. He had designed all the websites for our university and all this kind of stuff. And I remember writing, I was just like, man, he's just got to go for it. Like he's just got to get the courage and just go for it and do it. Like he's good enough. He's smart enough. And, and then part of the exercise was looking at what you wrote and reflecting on what that meant about yourself. And in that moment, I realized I wasn't just writing about Jeremy. I was really writing about myself as well in the sense that I needed to go out. I knew that going into the corporate world wasn't the right thing for me. So I had to do something and take a first step that was right for me. I want to go back to when you saw that video of, of Doug and he's, he's shooting Nerf guns at CEOs. Did you feel like, oh, that's my guy. Like, that's it. Like, that's what I want to do. Because it seems like that's part of the reason that we have done this show is that oftentimes we don't know what we want to do until we see someone else doing it. Or like, I don't know how to describe it or what to call it or how to articulate it. But oh, that's it. That's the thing. I want to be that creative dude who gets to work on the ranch and kind of gets to create his own destiny and his own thing. And he gets to shoot CEOs with with Nerf guns. That's the thing I want to do. And so same thing with doing a show like this is so many times we don't know what we want to do until we hear someone else talking about it or describing it. So was that kind of the situation for you whenever you saw that video? Was it this your own, no pun intended, but eureka moment that like, that's it. That's the thing I want to do. It was, you know, it was almost like a huge sense of relief because as I said, I never felt comfortable going down the traditional business path, meaning like shirt and tie cubicle, you know, work your way up the corporate ladder. That just, it never, ever felt right for me. Even when we were in I'm in business school and we had to do all these presentations and we had to wear suits and God, I just hated it. It just, just wasn't my thing. So when I saw him, it was like a sense of relief that, wait, there are other options here. I may not know what those options are, but there are other options. And so I encourage people when you have that, when you're drawn to something, dig deeper. So with Doug, I immediately went and bought his book, Jumpstart Your Brain. And I went through that thing back and forth, forth and back, like so many times. And then I applied what I learned to my schooling and I immediately got results. So I was drawn to his material. I was getting results with his material. And so then I sent them a message. I went on his website and I found an email of one guy. He had one contact that was uh, posted on the website. And so I sent an email to him and I said, listen, I love what you guys are doing. And I kind of told him a bit about my story. And I said, I would love to come and work for you for free for the entire summer. I just want to learn. And I was willing to work for free, do whatever I could, just because I, I knew the value of an experience like that. And he wrote back and he said, you know what, Stu, I appreciate your enthusiasm and stuff. He's like, we're not bringing on any interns or anything like that. He's like, but I'll give your name to Sarah just in case. And I was talking to his name was Mike and his email address was Mike at Eureka Ranch. So then I just figured Sarah's email would be Sarah at Eureka Ranch. So I started emailing Sarah 
and not even telling her that I had been talking to Mike. And then through conversation with Sarah, she basically gave me the same thing, but she also mentioned somebody else's name. So I started emailing them as well. <laughs> and then what happened was they were at a company meeting and somebody brought up my name and all of a sudden it was like this chain reaction. They were all just like, wait a minute, you're talking to him too? Like I've been talking to him too. And and so they all kind of had this laugh. And He's then they stalking gave, all of us. <laughs> yeah, I was stalking all of them. And I had created this campaign called Eureka Stew Wants to Work for You. I had this, this whole campaign that was going out to all of these people. As soon as I would find out somebody else's name, I would send it to them. But the point was, was I was drawn to that and I was going after it in whatever way I could. And so they ended up bringing me down, not for a whole summer, but for one of their workshops that they did with their Fortune 500 clients. And it was just an incredible experience. You know, it just opened my eyes to, again, how creativity could be applied to business. But it also opened my eyes to the fact that there were parts of what Doug was doing that I really loved, but there were parts that I didn't love. And so it wasn't an exact match, but it was a step in the right direction. And I think that that's the lesson I would give everybody is that you may not know exactly what you want to do, but when you find yourself drawn to something, take a step in that direction because it will lead you to the next step. And that's ultimately what happened in my story. Yeah. And I think that's a great point there that uh, initially from the outside looking in, it's easy to say, oh, that looks glamorous. That looks sexy. That looks amazing. But you don't necessarily see behind the curtain. But once you take that small step, you're able to see, okay, I like this. I don't like that. But you're able to at least kind of piece together what works and what doesn't and what kind of resonates and what fits for you. Sounds like that that happened for you. So you have that experience of, of working with them, figure out what you like, what you don't like with it. Where do you go from there? What's the next iteration of your own career? That was my third year of university. And so one of the other things that I learned from that experience was, again, just to how to explore my own interests. And so another interest that I had was sports. I was playing soccer at university. That was actually the reason that I failed out my first year. I was spending too much time focused on soccer and not enough time focused on school. But I was really drawn to sports. and I was really drawn to marketing. So one of the things that I did, and this is going to sound so simple, but I just typed in sports plus marketing into Google. And lo and behold, I discovered there was this whole world of like sports marketing companies. And I had no idea about this until I combined those two keywords in, in a Google search. And then, so I just kept digging deeper, you know, and I found that there was a company that was in Toronto. It was a sports marketing company. And then I went on their website and, and saw that they had internships in the summer. And so I applied for one of those. And, and then I just used my creative thinking and to create a resume that stood out. And, and I ended up getting a job for the summer leading a, a small team. And again, it was a step in the direction. You know, I, I was drawn to sports and I, I loved marketing. And, but what I discovered in that summer was that, again, there were parts of it that I loved and there were parts that I didn't love. And so it was just another step. And then from there, when I had signed on the dotted line, I, that was really a safe decision, you know, to go and work for this company. And I would say a lot of that was probably influenced by indirectly by my parents desire for me to have a safe and successful future. They didn't put pressure on me to sign that. But I knew that it was important for them for them to feel like they had accomplished. Okay, we've done this. He's got a good job. We've done our part as parents. And so I remember signing on the dotted line and to work for this company and but something just didn't feel right. I went to this conference, realized that going in the corporate world was not my thing. So then I took a step back and I said, okay, well, what am I really passionate about? And I was passionate about the subject of creativity. And I was passionate about sharing that message with other students. And so that led me to 
okay, well, can I speak to other students, you know, high school students, college students about using creative thinking in their schoolwork and in their life? And so lo and behold, I did the same sort of thing. I just typed in like uh, high school and college speakers and found out that there was a whole industry there. And so that was the next step in my career. And I just started going down that path. I started speaking on the subjects of creativity to high school and college students. So while you're doing that, are you feeling like, okay, this is it. I found what I want to do. Or do you feel like eh, I'm getting closer, but I'm, I'm not quite there. Like, where's your thinking at that point? Yeah, I knew I was getting closer because I did. There were parts of it that I loved. But the other things that I didn't like were I quickly realized that schools could only afford so much. And I could only speak so many times a year. So you just multiply those two together. And that was really my maximum earning potential. And again, I started asking questions around, well, how can I get beyond that? You know, who is a speaker that is doing a lot more or and has a lot more leverage in their life and in their business? And so that just it kept taking me one step closer. If I could summarize my career, if you will, it would be that I just keep taking a step forward. If there's an interest or something that has drawn me, that I'm drawn to, I just take a step in that direction. And ultimately, it's not a straight line, but it's like a little jaggedy line, but I'm still making progress. You know, and, and if you would have asked me when I was in college if I would be, you know, leading a software company, I would have laughed because I'm the furthest guy from a programmer that you will ever find. But it's amazing, though, when I look back on my career, how each step just kind of kept moving me forward. So in the speaker situation, I knew I needed to find more leverage. So I started looking online for speakers that had more leverage in their business. And I discovered how to leverage what I was teaching online and how to market myself online and how to package what I knew into different information products and courses and so forth. And that definitely brought a whole bunch of new leverage into my business and it grew pretty significantly. And so that was the next step for me in terms of my career was learning how to leverage what I knew, package it and sell it online. And uh, that took me certainly into the online marketing world. So you're in that space now and you're starting to, to figure that out. But again, like you, you said at the beginning, the software is the furthest thing from what you're thinking or what you might want to do. So at what point did software come into the picture and why did you decide to, to go down that path? So I went down, I started pursuing this path of information marketing and and speaking and, and selling what I knew. And that led me to a mentor. And so I was in my mid-20s. I was 24. And again, I knew the value of learning from people who were where I wanted to be. And so there was one gentleman in particular who he was a, a great speaker and he had a company where he put on seminars every month. And long story short, I attended one of his events that were in Toronto. And I was drawn to him. And so I took a step in that direction. And I basically pitched him on the idea of me coming to work for him. And he liked that idea. And I did. And I went and I moved down to Fulton, Mississippi for two years <laughs> to learn from him. But in that process, I was introduced to so many incredible people, particularly two guys that were really blazing new trails online. And I just gravitated to them and I learned everything that I could from them. And then they ended up, when I felt I was time for me to go out on my own, I made that move and they ended up contacting me. 
and asked if I would work with them because they had kind of seen what I was doing with the speaker. And I did. And we, we did some incredible things. Like we, this was back in 2005, 2006. And we were doing seven figure launches online, you know, in like a few weeks. And it was crazy in terms of the learning experience that I was having. And so I was doing that and I started building this business that, you know, they were my first two clients and then word got out about what we were doing and how we were helping these two guys with their online marketing launches and stuff. And so next thing I know, I've got this business where I am an affiliate manager for all these big name marketers online. And I love the business because it was high leverage. Like I was, we were able to make a lot of money very quickly, but I didn't like it because it was a huge life suck. Meaning every client that I took on, I was at their beck and call 24 hours a day. And I hated that. And so ultimately I got to the point where I said, I can't continue to do this. This is not the business that I want to build. And so I decided I want to teach what it is that I'm doing to more people in a more leveraged way. And so I thought, okay, how can I do that? And I knew about membership sites. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do a membership site. And so I started going down that path and then realized, wait a minute, this is very technical. Like setting up a membership site, you know, there was a lot of pieces to it. And at the time, the software was horrendous. And I was moaning and groaning about how difficult it was and how I'd have to pay like a webmaster all these hours just to set up the membership site and maintain it. And I was moaning and groaning to a friend of mine, Tracy. And he said, well, dude, why don't you just create your own membership software? And I laughed. I'm like, come on, Trace. I'm like, you know me better than that. I said, I'm not a programmer. I can't do that. And he's like, yeah, but you know exactly what you want. He's like, I've got a, a great programmer that works with me. Why don't we team up together and we'll create it together? And so that was in August of 2008. And we did. I went into Photoshop, you know, I hacked together some, you know, mock ups, thought through the features that I would love to see. And in a month, Mike had the first beta version. And then, so in September, I sold it to a mastermind. And I didn't want to give it to them, I wanted to sell it to see if they would be willing to buy it. And everybody in the mastermind bought it. And so I was like, okay, this is kind of validating the concept. Then in October of 2008, we went live to the public. And that was with our software Wishlist member. And it just took on a whole life of its own and took off. And that's when I knew, okay, this is amazing. This has got legs. And so I transitioned. I let go of all of my clients and and focused all of my energy on growing that company. Wishlist today is a hugely popular uh, membership site and uh, plugin, and we actually use it in our own business and, and really dig it. But you built that, and then you decided, ah, let's pivot again. Let's try a different direction. Why did you ultimately decide to sell it, and what direction did that lead you to uh, to to where we're at today? Yeah, so we built that company up. You know, it was it was doing incredibly well, and we had a team of twenty two people when I decided to leave last fall multiple seven figures. We were powering close to 60,000 online communities and membership sites. We had an amazing team, amazing product. I love my business partners. But at the end of the day, the thing that that sparked a, a transition for me was I was at a summer camp for families. And so we decided to go to a summer camp for families. It was my wife and I and my daughter at the time. And if you can imagine, I'm staying in this cabin I've got my wife 
you know, sleeping right beside me. My daughter is in the same cabin, just in another, in the bunk bed across the way. And it's pouring down rain and it's 2.30 in the morning. And it's, so it's pitch black, it's pouring down rain. I can't turn a light on because I'll wake both my wife and daughter up. I can't go outside because it's pouring down rain. So I'm lying there in darkness with my thoughts. And that's a very dangerous place to be. (laughs) And just prior to coming to that summer camp, I had read two books that were tremendously influential on me. Number one was the book called The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And the second book was called Essentialism by Greg McEwen. Both books challenge you as the reader to get crystal clear on the few things in your life that are essential to your success. And so I'm laying there in the darkness and I'm asking myself all kinds of questions based on what I had just read with these two books. And essentialism, there's one exercise that Greg provides the reader. And he says, basically, in any opportunity or any area of your life where you're looking to make a decision, first, you need to get crystal clear on what your criterion is. And so for me, when I'm making a business decision, my criterion is this. Number one is stress. So everything I do in my life is designed to minimize stress. And that probably comes from growing up with parents who were working two full-time jobs. And it was a very stressful time for them. And so I vowed to design a life that would minimize stress. So if there's an option on the table where I could make $100 million, for example, but it was supremely stressful, I wouldn't choose it. Because for me, that's my number one criterion is minimizing stress. Number two for me is impact. So I mentioned that my wife and I have our own charity. We build schools in Kenya. And I am just so grateful for the time that we live in because as entrepreneurs, we can have so much impact in this world. And so I want to leverage that. I want to leverage what my abilities to be able to you know, have tremendous impact in this world. And that means whatever business I'm involved with, I want to make sure that that is leveraged in such a way that it can impact thousands, if not millions of people. And then my third criterion is profitability. So I have been approached many times to invest in different types of businesses like restaurants and so forth. And I will never do that because the profit margins are so small. I've been spoiled. You know, I I deal in the world of information and software. So profit margins are very high. And so that's how I judge what opportunities I spend my time on. And so I'm lying there and I'm thinking about, okay, stress, impact, and profitability. And then I started asking myself, of all the things that I'm working on right now, how do they rank on a scale of 1 to 10? Because in the book, Greg said, anything less than a 9 or a 10, don't even think about it, eliminate it. He said, because most people get stuck in the 6, 7, and 8s. And they spend time on things that they're kind of interested in, but they're not really the few things that are going to help them really make the progress and live the life that they want. And so I started asking myself, okay, of all the things that I'm working on, how do they rank on my scale of stress, minimizing stress, maximizing impact, and maximizing profitability? And what I realized was for me, my business, Wishless Products, was an 8 out of 10. And it's probably the worst number that it could have been. (laughs) It's right there. It's right there because I'm sitting there saying to myself, well, if we just do this, it'll easily be a 9. 
Or if we just do that, it would make it a 10 immediately. But I had to be honest with myself and I said, no, Stu, what is it right now? And right now, in that moment, it was an eight. And so I knew it had to go. And so my wife woke up and I said, honey, I think I've made a big decision. And she said, okay. She said, well, what is it? And I said, I think I want to sell my business. And she said, well, tell me why. And so I explained why and and how that business didn't meet, you know, what I wanted long term for my career and my life. And she looked me dead in the eyes and she said, okay, I believe in you. Let's do it. And I can't tell you how incredibly grateful I am to have a wife who is so loving and so supportive in that way and just believes in me. And so that put the wheels in motion. And I approached my business partners and I explained to them that it was time for me to move on. And it was a very, very emotional decision. But it was ultimately the right decision for me. And and what I have discovered from this is that that process is very difficult, but it's very liberating because what it does is it creates space for you to be able to step into the things that you were meant to do. And I really believe that that's started to happen now that I've let that go. And I'm interested in talking more about that because I think there's a lot of people that may be listening to this who are going, well, I don't necessarily have a business to sell, but maybe for me, the thing that's a seven or eight is it's my job or it is, it's the, the business that I've started that isn't working, or maybe I just need to, I'm having the itch to start a business. And so I'm in that point where I'm just kind of right there in the middle. And like, you know, like we've talked about a lot of people that listen to this, they don't hate their job, but don't love their job and aren't really sure what they'd rather be doing. How do you make that transition? So we're going to, we're going to save that for the bonus round. We're going to be talking about that over there in just a second. But in the meantime, for people that want to check out more of you and what, what it is that you're up to, follow along with what you're doing. I know that you also help with a couple different online, different training tools and, and platforms. So where can we send people that can uh, learn more about you? Best place to go, it's real easy, is stu.me, S-T-U dot me. Uh, from there, you'll be able to find connections to everything else. Which has got to be one of the shortest domains online. <laughs> exactly. Well done. Awesome, man. We'll uh, see you over there in the bonus round. Cool. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that chat with Stu McLaren. Really good stuff there. And so also make sure that you download the bonus material. Stu and I talked for a few more minutes there about what do you do in a spot where you're, you're doing something and I, I don't love it, I don't hate it, but I don't know what I'd rather be doing. And so Stu and I, we spend several minutes talking about that. He gives some great stories and examples of friends of his who've been in a similar spot who are just trying to figure out what would they rather be doing. And so maybe you're in a similar spot, maybe on that one to 10 scale. You're a seven, you're an eight, and you know things are going well in your job or in your business, but you, you got to have things that are nines and tens. So how do you make that transition? How do you find those things? Stu and I, we talk a little bit about that in the, the bonus round. So make sure you download that. All right. I think that wraps up today's episode, boys and girls. Thanks for hanging out with us. Really do appreciate it. I hope again that you do more than just listen to these, but I hope you take action. Do something with what you're learning. Because if we just talk about these things, if you just listen, if you just nod along, if you're encouraged and inspired and motivated, that's all well and good. That's great. And I'm happy for that. But all Ultimately, I want you to take action. I want you to do something with what we're talking about. So I'd encourage you to take what Stu's challenges with today, take action on it. We'll catch you next time, my friend. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.